Today's reading is going to be taken from the uh, book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. At this time, Paul is writing to those in Rome, telling them that he is about to visit them. And Rome at the time is the heart of worldly uh, power. And what he says to them is, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteousness, the righteous will live by faith. Good morning, church. It's good to have you here today and uh, at the comfort of your homes. Thank you for joining in and sticking with us. I know we, we had some difficulty there, but we're all here now, which is good. Um, I pray that uh, you are all well and safe and that you've been able to enjoy the beautiful weather that we've been having this weekend. So today, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to continue our spring with our spring sermon series on the gospel of Jesus. So if you'll remember, at the beginning of the year, what we did was we reminded ourselves of the mission that Jesus Christ himself gave us to make disciples. That's our mission. But now we're talking about our message. Okay, first the mission, now the message. It is important for us to understand, uh, understand, appreciate again, or have a deeper appreciation for our message of the gospel of Jesus to the world, because it's a huge part of our mission to make disciples. And uh, so far in our series, we've learned a lot about the gospel of Jesus and have been reminded again of what the gospel is. So we uh, were reminded that the gospel literally means good news. It's good news because it's our salvation. It's, it's good news because uh, with it, uh, we have been born again into the, into the family of God. And with that uh, rebirth, with, our, with that new birth in Christ, we are given uh, forgiveness of sins, we are given freedom, and we are given the hope of eternal life. All good things. So this morning we are going to increase our appreciation for the gospel. We're going to increase our knowledge of the gospel. And uh, this morning I'm going to talk to you about the gospel that saves. So uh, if you remember uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we looked at that verse so much. Uh, throughout our uh, uh, current uh, sermon series. In this particular verse, starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul reminds the church of, what, of, of the gospel. So he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So, so like the, the church in Corinth, we, the church today, uh, the gospel was preached to us too, and we received it, and we take our stand on it. And taking our stand on it is not just listening to it or understanding it. We pattern our life on it. We stand on it. Our life is built on it. It's, it's, our, it's our new way of living. And uh, we skip, we're going to skip verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to jump right into 3 and 4. So Paul continues his thought about the gospel. So he says in verses 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians 15, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. 
So this gospel he passed on to them, to the church in Corinth, and then to us as priority. Number one, the first thing that we need to hear is this. Okay, And then he proceeds to, to, to tell them the crux of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, So this was a big part of the church in Corinth. And it's a big part of our lives today as Christians. Why? Because in verse 2, so we're going to go back to verse 2. In verse 2, the Apostle Paul tells them exactly what this gospel does for them. This is what verse 2 says. By this gospel, you are saved. That's why the title of our lesson today is The Gospel That Saves. Because that's what it does. It saves. And in our scripture reading this morning that was read to us by Ray, uh, in verse 16 of Romans 1, we read, For I, that's Paul speaking here, the Apostle Paul, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Again, the gospel that saves. So this morning, what we're going to do, as we talk about the gospel that saves, we're going to ask one big question. And that's what we're going to center our uh, study uh, today around. The question is this. How does the gospel save? How did it save the Corinthian church and the, and the, and the, the church, uh, the early church? How, does it, how did it continue to save? How, how does it save us now as we see in scripture? How does it save us today. Um, we looked at uh, Romans 1 verse 16. That's part of our scripture reading, right? But in verse 17, Paul tells us exactly how. But before we, we put that on the screen, I just want to uh, identify and really uh, encourage all of us to understand the need for this lesson today. You know, many of us have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have been washed um, uh, from our sins through the waters of baptism, we have we have obeyed the gospel. We have also died. We were we had, we were also buried, and we were also uh, raised again through the waters of baptism, like Jesus did. But some of us have not. Maybe some of us are you know we don't know where we stand. We don't know if do I have a saving relationship with Jesus today? Right? It's okay. Stay tuned. Listen in. Because you are uh, in the right place at the right time. Um, uh, as, um, as per the Apostle Paul, okay, as per the Apostle Paul, you are hearing that which is of first importance, the gospel. So here it is. Here's the reason why um, um, the gospel saves us today. And again, this is so important, especially for all of us who are Christians already. Okay, we're not going to, you know, we're, uh, because we, we, we accept the word of God. We accept the gospel daily. It is something that we, 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 we take a stand on, like the, the, the Corinthian church did. It's something that we receive daily in our lives. It's not just something that we forget. We receive once and then we forget. Okay? And we are not going to be effective at telling people about being a disciple of Jesus if we cannot articulate to them our message of the gospel of salvation. To the, to the world around us. So in Romans 1.17, that being said, the Apostle Paul gives us the reason uh, 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 or, or gives us how the gospel saves us today. He says, For in the gospel, 
the righteousness of God is revealed. That's it. The answer to that question, how, is there. In the gospel, we understand and learn the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? God gives us his righteousness that he puts on us. And today we're going to find out, well, how do we get that righteousness? How exactly does the gospel do that for us today? So let's start with that word righteousness. Okay? And again, this is for all of us. It doesn't matter if you have become a Christian or if you have not become a Christian yet. This is important for us to understand the righteousness of God as revealed in the gospel. We understand that the gospel means good news. We, we mentioned that at the start of our lesson. It's good news because it talks about our salvation. Okay. Well, you probably ask the question, well, what do I need to be saved from today? Why do I need that salvation? I'm fine. I'm okay. I know there's the pandemic going on, but I can be at home. I know maybe some of you are saying, well, you know, I'm, I lost my job, but really, I'm still alive. I, it's fine. I don't need to be saved from anything. What do I need to be saved from? Okay, you might ask that question. But if you will remember our brother, Roly Abaga, a few weeks back, he mentioned to us the reason why the gospel is called good news. Because we needed to be saved from this one horrible thing that is sure to happen. Especially if we do not have Jesus in our hearts. Okay? And this thing that we need to be saved from is very well articulated in Romans 2.25. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. What do we need to be saved from? It's encircled in that screen. God's wrath. And when we understand God's wrath, and when we hear about this, we understand that this is part of the gospel. A huge part of the gospel is it talks about that part which is bad news. That's why we can call it good news. Good news is good news because we understand that if it didn't happen, then the bad news is what we are going to be stuck with. And the huge part of the good news, and again, what makes it really good news, is the bad news. And that bad news is God's wrath. Okay? We say that the gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Do you see that now? Do you see now how when we understand the righteousness of God, that at some point, God cannot deny himself his characteristic of being just. Because one day, it says here in this verse, that his righteous judgment will be revealed. I know many times in history, he, uh, he, he, he looked over or passed over sin. Because he knew, he knows that one day, there's gonna be a time of reckoning. That that day of God's wrath is gonna come. And that day of wrath is gonna come to those who are stubborn and unrepentant. It says in this verse. And it's sure to come. But then the good news removes all of that. The good news is that because of the righteousness of God, 
His other characteristic, because he has a lot of characteristics, not just just, his other characteristic is that he is love. And because of his love, which is part of his righteousness, he said to himself, you know what? I cannot see the world that I love so much suffer and die because of their sin. Somebody is going to have to take their place. John 3.16, remember that? For God so loved the world. And that person who took our place is his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will have will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. So um, uh, we see that in uh, Romans 5 verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So we need to be saved from God's wrath. But righteous, the God's righteousness, we see in the gospel that he said, you know what? These guys are lost and doomed without my help. So because of Jesus, he justifies us by his blood. And now we can be saved from God's wrath through Jesus. Justified. You know that word? That's a beautiful word. It's like he's saying we are sinners. But now he looks at us as if we were not sinners in the first place. That is what the blood of Jesus does. That is why it's called the good news. It's centered around Jesus. Now, when we say the gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, the number one thing that we need to understand is it shows us, you know, the gospel shows us the righteousness of God, God's own righteousness. But in another way, and uh, Paul treats this in the book of Romans, because the book of Romans... Uh, one of the main uh, themes in the book of Romans, if not the main theme, is the righteousness of God. He talks about the righteousness of God, but he also talks about it in a, in, in, in a way that says the righteousness of God is his own way of making people, sinners like me and you, righteous in his sight. So in other words, in the book of Romans and in our scripture reading, not only is God telling us, hey, this is the gospel, this is my righteousness. Okay? You guys are sinners, but I'm righteous. But I'm going to have to punish you one day. That's my righteousness. And when we see that, we see our need for salvation. He's also saying that my righteousness as revealed in Scripture, in the Gospel, is me making a way for you. So that I can view you as righteous. So that I can save you. And this concept is not new. The Apostle Paul actually got this from the Old Testament. So I'm just going to show you a couple of verses that, that, uh, that, that talk about this in, in, in the Old Testament. In Psalm 98 verse 2, for example, we read, The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. So there's this idea here that the Lord tells the nations, this is me and my righteousness. And this is how you need to be right with me. And that translates to his salvation. And again, in Isaiah 46, verse 13, the same thing. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away. And my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. So the gospel tells us the righteousness, God's own righteousness, and God's own way of making sinners righteous before his eyes. So now the question uh, um, comes up. 
What is God's own way of making us righteous in his sight? As we see in the gospel. Romans again. Romans chapter 3 verse 22. This righteousness. God's righteousness. Is given to us. Okay. Is given to us. Through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe. Wow. Faith in Jesus. That's why. In verse 17 of Romans 1, Paul says, A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, from beginning to end, from generation to generation. Faith is huge for our salvation. If there's no, there's, without faith, we will just see the righteousness of God and nothing's going to be done about it. What are you going to do about that righteousness? Nothing, if, if no faith. But that faith is as a result of us understanding and believing what God has given us. That gift of salvation, that gift of the good news through Jesus. So let's talk about that faith. Because that faith, according to the last verse that we read in Romans, chapter 3, verse 22, is centered around Jesus. Without him, I mean, many people have faith in many things. Some of us have faith that, oh, maybe by June we're going to be, we're, we're going to be coming back to the building. Or maybe by September, school's gonna start. Some of us have that stuff, right? But it's not that kind of faith. Faith in Jesus we're talking about. Without Jesus as the object of our faith, it's not really salvation. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 8 verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am He. You will indeed die in your sins. He is the one who saves us. That is what we need to believe. Okay? We need to understand that we actually need saving. The reason why I know for my own self, it took me a while to accept Jesus because at first I didn't think, well, I didn't, I didn't need him. I don't have need for a savior because I don't need saving. Yes, I did some bad things, but so what? I did not believe Jesus. I did not believe that he is that savior that I needed. I did not believe that uh, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, as we read in 1 Peter 2.24. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Okay, stop here for a second, because this is the linchpin in our lesson. Okay? We're talking about a righteousness that is by faith. And right now we're in that big idea of faith. Okay? It doesn't matter if you're not a Christian yet. If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior yet. Or it doesn't matter if you're, you know, straddling the line between world and, 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 and church and God and, 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 uh, and, and flesh. Or if you've already accepted Jesus. I want you to look at this, at this verse. It's on your screens. The question today is, would you put your faith in that? Would you put your faith in the idea, would you believe the idea that you actually need saving? And if you have accepted Jesus, that you continue to need saving. That Jesus himself, because he understands that you are lost because of your sin, bore our sins on the cross. 
And would you be willing to stand on the gospel, to stand on the fact that he did that so that you would die to sin? Like you're not saved so you can run around and do whatever you want to do. So that you can actually die to sin. Because that was your first problem in the first place. That's the reason why you were going to be lost. That's the reason why you were going to be the object of the wrath of God. It's because of your sin. So Jesus bore our sins on the cross so that we could do away with sin. No more sin in our lives. No more guilt because we are going to turn around from it. That sin, we're going to leave it behind. We're going to keep going this way towards God. And that instead of sin, we are now going to live in the righteousness of God that is revealed in the gospel. Are we willing to bank on this? This is the question of faith. This is it. Okay? Um, But the question is, what is faith? You know, what is faith? We have our definitions of faith, but what the scriptures tell us, you know, to be specific, what saving faith is. So we understand, okay, that it involves knowledge. We need to know. We need to know what, uh, what, 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 what the gospel is. We need to understand it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? Faith is, faith comes to, comes to us through the word. Because you're not gonna, you're not gonna believe what you don't know. So you need knowledge. You need to understand what God has done through Jesus. And today we've, we've talked about that. That Jesus came to earth to die, to bear our sins on the cross. So that we might die to sin and we might live in righteousness. Okay? That's good. But is that faith? Is that the, is that the thing that makes saving faith? Just knowing? Of course not. Of course not. It's not just about knowing because everybody, you know, I think the world knows about Jesus. But the idea, but the thing is, do they believe that? So we need, we need to understand and we also need to believe what we understand. Yes, I understand that the Bible says, God says that I'm sinful. Okay? Do you believe that? Yes, you do. Okay? That's great. Do you understand that with that sin in your heart, unrepented, unforgiven, it is going to take us to the fiery lake of hell at some point after this life is over? Do you believe that? Right? Some of you are saying yes, some of you are saying no, but that's important in saving faith. You need to, you need to understand the information, the facts, because our faith is based on facts that you need to believe. Right? But is that it? Is that saving faith? Well, if that's saving faith, then demons can also be saved. Okay? So, James tells us in James chapter 2, verse 19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. See, they understand it. They know it. They believe it. They don't want to do anything about it. They are scared. Okay? So, 
the last thing that we need to understand about saving faith is that so it involves knowledge, it involves belief, but it also involves obedience. It also involves action. You need to do something about it. If you don't do anything about it, you're not opening that gift. It's just right there sitting in front of you on your, on your, on your desk or in your drawer. You're not doing anything about it. You're not using it to your advantage. You know, you have to understand that in Scripture, the words belief, faith, and obedience are almost always used interchangeably. It's pretty much the same sense. Okay? So, uh, we understand this because James also as well, James chapter 2 verse 17, uh, he writes, In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. It's not doing anything. Okay? A lot of times people think, well, well, the only thing that we need is faith to be saved. That's true. But it, it matters how you define faith. A lot of times people define that as, well, it's only head knowledge. As long as you believe in, in one God, you're okay. But according to James, it's not okay because the, the demons believe that too. But they're not saved. Right? So, uh, it's true what, uh, we read in Hebrews 5 verse 9. And being made perfect, he being Jesus, became the source of eternal salvation. To whom? To all who obey him. To all who believe him. To all who have faith in him. Right? But, the problem today, uh, well, sorry, before I, I, I say that, Martin Luther himself said this, the true living faith, you know, we call it saving faith in our slides, which the Holy Spirit instills into the heart, simply cannot be idle. It can't just sit there and not do anything. It has to be, it has, it has to, it has to demonstrate the work of God through the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and many, many others. Okay, that is faith. That is faith. So saving faith starts with knowledge. And then, do you believe on the things that you just learned? And then, also, what are you going to do with that belief? Are you going to act on it? And if the answer for all of that is yes, then saving faith is there. We are doing something about the righteousness of God that is revealed to us in Scripture, we are putting our faith in Jesus. But the problem is this. Okay, just like many things in the world, we tend to like circumvent many things in life. You know what I'm saying? We see the Scripture and we see, instead of looking at the, the rule of, of, of the gospel, the, the rule of the commands and the intent of the commands, the rule and intent, we look, the first thing that comes to mind is, how are we, we going to get around that? What's the exception of that? Right? It's like, it's like, uh, traffic, traffic signs. Or parking signs. Right? We, we, we tend to bend the rules a little, the traffic sign rules a little bit to suit our needs. Case in point. You guys seen this? You guys know what green vehicles are, right? Reserved for, when you say, when you see a sign that says reserved for green vehicles, what do you think? Well, if I have an electric car, I can park there. But look what this guy did. Green vehicles. It's 
I guess I don't even, you know, like, I don't know what to say to that. That person definitely missed the point. Okay? So, how about this sign? Okay, it's a little bit small, but, yeah, if you look at it in your screen, if you squint, you can see. Onto, if you park onto the right, the green sign says, you need to pay for parking. But if you park on this side here, the red sign says, you can't park there, it's tollway zone. But do you guys notice, there's this gap in between? So what happens if you park in the middle? Is that, is that safe? So that, that's, that's what we do with the Word of God sometimes. Right? We think, well, yeah. It's the same thing when, when it comes to salvation. When it comes to our salvation, the world has a lot of ideas about how to be saved. What is the common perception today of who's going to be saved? It's been like that forever. A lot of times people think, well, if you're a good person, you're going to be saved. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you really, 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 really intended to do your best, you're going to be saved. Well, if you really wanted to do the best, you know, you know, because, you know, you love, I know, I love my mom and my dad. You know, they're not the best parents. They actually did horrible things. You know, you can say, some people can say that, but you know what? I still love them, so I probably go to heaven. But the problem with that thinking is that, what is the object of that faith? The object of that faith is me. I trust me to get me to heaven. The object of that faith is not Jesus. Do you get it? It's not Jesus. It's me and my own doing. You know, in scripture, there's this character who was like a devout Christian, a devout follower of, of, of God. He loved God. He was like, he was very philanthropic. He did everything in his own power to do good. And his name, do you, do you guys remember this? His name's Cornelius. In Acts 10, 1-2, we read about him. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. So this person was a Roman soldier, Cornelius. He and all his family were, listen to this, devout, God-fearing, gave generously to those in need, and prayed to God regularly. According to the world, is Cornelius safe? Does he have salvation? Yeah, I would say people in the world would think, oh yeah, this guy's good. This guy's, this guy's got it. But wait, okay? Acts 10, verse 3, the next verse over. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. So if you're Cornelius, you'd be like, oh, an angel. Right? Look at verse 4. Cornelius stared at him in fear. He was, whoa, 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 wait. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. Wait. If he sorted out, if he sorted in terms of his salvation, why did an angel have to appear in front of him and say, hey, you need to go get Peter. You need to go get Peter. Why? I'm good. I pray all the time. I give to the poor. I, I love God. I'm religious. I do all that stuff already. I'm good. Why do I need Peter? 
in Acts chapter 11, verses 13 and 14, we find out the reason why he had to send for Peter to go to Joppa, which is like a coast city in Palestine, to take him and bring him to his house. This is the reason why. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. Why? He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Isn't that amazing? The gospel that saves. We need to have that knowledge so that we can believe in it and so that we can do something about it. That's what Cornelius had to do. He needed to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus so that he doesn't rely on his own self anymore. So that he can put his faith so that his life will have a purpose, not for his own good, for Jesus. That is the righteousness that is by faith that the gospel reveals to us today. And that is how we are saved. So that is the message today. The gospel that saves. How? Through a righteousness that is by faith. Okay? But remember, before we end, remember that the gospel, where is it? There. The gospel is the power of God. Remember Paul says that in in Romans chapter 1, verse 16? He says, um, it is the power of God unto salvation. So what we need to do as a takeaway for all of us is do not render the power of God useless. Okay? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. You know, Paul uh, uses a figure of speech that brings to fore the contrary of what he's saying. Right? So, for example, if I said, uh, Chad is not a bad singer, what do I actually mean? I mean, Chad is a good singer, right? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Think about the contrary. I am proud of the gospel. Let us be proud of the gospel because that is our message to the world. That is a huge part of fulfilling our mission of making disciples. We need to tell them about the object of their faith, Jesus, not us, not the church, Jesus. Okay, number one. Number two, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. Pay attention to that, to that thing there, the arrow. Okay, it doesn't matter who you are today. Remember that what God demands is those people the righteous, the ones who will bestow righteousness upon, that's revealed in the gospel, the righteous will live by faith. We saw what faith is, what saving faith is. Okay, We need to remember that today. Sometimes it's tough because we can't see. We don't know where we're going to land if we jump for God. We don't know where we're going to land. That's part of faith. It doesn't matter that we can't see. What matters is he can see. Okay? So to get that thing in our minds today, so that you guys won't forget for a long time, 
I want you guys to remember this picture. Do you guys know what that is? You're like, it's a deer. Yes, deer family. I think, I think Mel is like mouthing it. It's an African impala. It's an impala. Okay, I know there's a car that's called impala, but that's what an impala is. African impala. It's about, uh, four feet, uh, long, right? And about, yay high, three feet high at the max. Like the biggest ones are three feet high, uh, to this, on the shoulder. So they're not, they're not very big animals, but they're amazing animals. You know why? Because these guys, small as they are, they're like a huge dog, right? As small as they are, they can jump over eight feet into the air. And when they're running, they run really fast, they can jump, is it horizontally? Is this way? Horizontally. They can jump horizontally 30 feet. They can jump from there to there, third, and they can cover a distance of 30 feet. That's how amazing they are. But you know what? You can see these guys in zoos, in, in, a, in a zoo, and you know what their enclosure looks like? Can you imagine what their, the walls look like? You'd think, well, it's gotta be like 80 feet tall. No. The walls could be three feet tall. Three feet tall to contain these guys and they will never jump out of it. Do you guys know why? Because impalas will never jump if they cannot see where their feet will land. They won't. You know, you're probably thinking, I'm like that. I'm an impala. In so many ways. But let me encourage you this morning. Let us not be that for Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We live by faith, not by sight. By faith, not by sight. It doesn't matter that we can't see. He does. He sees us so clearly. He knows us. He knows what we're struggling with. He knows even our disbelief. Even, even if we, I don't really, He knows that. So I want to encourage all of us today. Whether you are, have, you, you're already a Christian or maybe not a Christian or in between, you don't know. Put your faith on Christ because He sees. Now, I want us, we're going to sing the song of invitation now, but I want you, I want us to really pay attention to the words because the words, when, when, when you sing it and when you pay attention to it, it says, uh, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast Beyond all, all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch, a sinful person, his treasure. You will see that he actually sees you. So it doesn't matter that we can't see. It matters because he does. Let's stand and sing.